Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello, this is Dr. Dyke Drummond at the home of The Happy MD in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Our guest today is one of our coaches at thehappymd.com, Dr. Mark Jabin. Mark is a very experienced emergency room physician. He also here in the midst of the COVID pandemic has taken on a position as the county health officer of Haywood County, North Carolina. So he's dealing with a small rural Western North Carolina um, assignment of uh, handling the public in a time of COVID-19 pandemic. He's also the author of Free the Brain. And Mark's got a lovely little twist in his career. He actually spent some time in New Zealand as an emergency room doctor back in the day as well. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Oh, thanks, Dyke. Uh, really happy to be here. Yeah, you bet. And we were talking ahead of time about one of the tools that Mark and I use a lot in our coaching. It works in um, when we're helping physicians recover from their own burnout. It works when you're working as a wellness leader inside your organization. If you're a wellness champion looking to manage your boss, it works in all of these situations. It's a prioritization tool. And it's actually a word stack. And I'm going to give you this word stack right up front. The word stack goes like this. And if you have a piece of paper, if you're just listening and you have a piece of paper, you might want to write these three words in this order in a stack, a vertical stack. So the top word is the word vision. The middle word is the word strategy. And the bottom word is the word tactics. Vision, strategy, and tactics in that order. Great word stack. I've got it written on an index card right here. So Mark, um, let's talk a little bit about why we find this such a valuable tool and at what point in our conversations, for instance, with a physician in a discovery session, which is the free session we do to start every coaching relationship, how this shows up in that conversation. Yeah, so um, if you just think about it, last time that you were in a meeting, or if you sit back and think about you know, your day-to-day existence, what comes to mind? It's always about what you want to do or what's not working. Um, what can I do about it? If you think about discussions that happen, an issue comes up, where does the conversation go? Usually immediately to what we're going to do. And that's okay, except that my solution to what we should do is often going to differ from your solution about what we're going to do. And, and that's because we're each thinking about it uh, from the perspective of how we um, think about the issue or the problem. And when how two people think differently about what the issue or the problem is, it's going to lend itself to different solutions. And so you get what I call dueling solutions. And that generally doesn't go anywhere. So the, that our brains are wired to think of everything as a problem with a one-step solution, fix, wham, bam, we're off to the next thing. But when that doesn't work, um, and you're talking at that tactical level, um, that's where you run into trouble. The, and so whenever you recognize that in a conversation you're having, um, if you can pause and think about what are we trying to achieve? What's that vision? 
Now, if people can agree on that vision, now the solutions will be tailored to what that common perception is, and they tend to be more in alignment, and you get more clarity about what you actually want to do. Um, so the tactics are always about, you know, what do I want to do? Strategy is about what are the leverage points I need to address uh, in order to execute on the vision. What do I do as tactics to execute on the strategy that will help me achieve whatever that vision is? And I would say, Dyke, that this is not only a, a structure that works for yourself. Uh, it's not only a structure that works in the context of your bureaucracy. Try it sometime with your patients and try it sometime with your teenagers. Um, it works in all of those situations. Whenever there's disagreement or confusion about what to do, which is a tactical level thought process, the most important thing is to just release your confusion or disagreement and up-level your conversation to the level of vision. What are we trying to accomplish? What is our goal? What is our vision? Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is begin with the end in mind. <clears throat> And by the way, uh, begin with the end in mind, this same concept was originally proposed as in management theory by Peter Drucker in The Effective Executive. So what we do is we run into it all the time when somebody says, what should I do? Or when two people are in an argument about how to approach a particular issue. So, and, and we were talking too, I find that I use this uh, word stack when somebody comes in as a potential coaching client, when they say, hey, this is how my, my practice and my job sucks, what should I do? You're the coach, tell me what to do. My answer is always, I have no idea. And then I whip out the word stack and say, let's talk about your vision. And from an individual coaching perspective, Mark, what do, what do we call that vision? What is the exact vision we're asking them to create? Yeah, we're asking people to think about wiping the slate clean from their current existence and what would be the ideal practice situation? What would work? What, if you could draw, wipe it clean, how do you want it to be? Right, and, and, and what I find is that that's not something, you know, that's not something a doctor is used to being asked. You know, in an ideal world, if you had a magic wand, if you were the king of the forest, if you were the boss, what does your ideal practice look and feel like? Describe it to me in detail. And then what do they do? They go, <laughs> <laughs> it's the open mouth goldfish stare, right? <clears throat> it's usually something like, that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, I never thought about that. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Just be really clear, your medical school, your residency program, your fellowship, even your current job is not interested in your ideal job description. They're interested in their job description. But you always have the ability to move in the direction of a more ideal job as soon as you're clear on that vision for yourself. Even if nobody's ever asked you this question before. So let's talk just a little bit, Mark, about how, how this word stack shows up around an interesting transition in your life around your decision to leave the United States and go to New Zealand. So if you could, if you could just walk us through that experience and tell us how this word stack potentially helped you do it, even if you might not have known it at the time, that'd be awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, I certainly didn't know it at the time, but I had been a member of a independent private emergency department group that for 20 years uh, in a small rural community hospital. And over the last couple of those years, um, things got pretty contentious inside the organization and it ended up with us being summarily fired midway through contract. So this was back in 2006. Uh, and I think many of you, uh, if you were around then, probably remember there was a lot of this going on at the time. But uh, because I had family and mortgage and retirement and all that sort of stuff, I had to keep working. And so I ended up picking up shifts in other places around my area. What I found out was everybody was struggling with the same things. And we had always wanted our kids to have an experience living outside the United States. And because my Spanish is just good enough to get me in trouble, it needed to be an English speaking place. Okay, so stop. because we're Stop, yep. stop, stop. Okay, here we go. Yep. What is he focusing on? He's focusing on his, what he wants. It's a vision. The vision says overseas English. Are you seeing how this is sort of panning out? Did you write it down, by the way? Uh, I had no idea about this. At the time. No, I mean, did you actually oh. as a family write down, it needs, we're going overseas and it needs to be in. Did you write down criteria like that? I think not. It was more like a series of dinner time discussions gotcha. about where, where we might head. Okay, cool. Keep going. Okay, and then um, and New Zealand was a natural choice because we're outdoor sort of people. And so we went over there and it wasn't so important what the work was like. Um, we were using the work as a vehicle to sort of have this family experience. Um, and what was, uh, and, and New Zealand was a lovely place to be. Um, and we enjoyed that thoroughly. What was unexpected was how much um, I enjoyed working in the little hospital that I was in inside the New Zealand healthcare system. Um, and that was just a really unexpected joy. Um, so much so that when I came back to the States, um, it wasn't clear to me whether it was because of the New Zealand healthcare system or whether it was because of the, just the confluence of people in place that just all fell in place. And so I went back a second time just to sort of prove that to myself and it turned out to be some of, some of both. Gotcha. And then as I'm yep. listening too, I just want to point out to the to the folks that are listening here too. This is one of those interesting pivot points that are available to anybody at any time who happens to be a physician as a career choice. Uh, a lot of times people's vision is focused 100% on their career. They come to me and they, and they want to make their career ideal because that's a central focus of their life. But notice how your pivot took the central focus of your vision from your practice to your to your life to your family to the experience of being overseas with your kids when they are young by the way i spent my high school years in england so i know what that experience is like as um, a younger person so you actually used your career to facilitate a vision that was a larger vision for your family and uh, a lot of times if we can rebalance where you are putting your career, what kind of pedestal you're putting your career on. And in many cases, it can be a servant to a larger vision. Now, you told me too a little while ago that you came back because your visa ran out, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in New Zealand, though, when your visa runs out, they come find you. Okay. Mine was wow. for a year. No, no bones about that. Um, but the other things that happened there, you know, part of this process between getting fired out of this work and working for a while and going to New Zealand was trying to come to grips with what actually went on back then. How is it that we managed change so poorly across an organization, uh, you know, we included, and what is that really about? And so one of the things that I learned in New Zealand was that it didn't have to be the way it was in the United States. I was in this organization where we could sit around a table and get things done 
and I saw a very different cultural um, working environment than what I had experienced in the States. <clears throat> so that helped me say, hey, it doesn't have to be like that way. It can be this way. And that was part of that whole journey for me in terms of trying to understand change better uh, and what actually is really required and what does it take. And that's what led to the book. But interestingly, the whole coach training and development and experience as a coach has just been a further um, layer upon that. Uh, so all of this is sort of fed together over these years. Yeah, and I think that a lot of times when there's struggle inside organizations, <clears throat> a lot of times when there's struggle in your life, it's that we haven't got a clear vision. I'm not really, it, my day-to-day -day actions are not in service of a larger goal because that larger goal, that vision is an organizing principle. And just to be clear, we talked about ideal job description earlier, ideal practice description. Here, here's how I ask people to, to deal with it. Write it down, first of all, pen to paper, get it out of your head. In an ideal world, what kind of patients would you be seeing, doing what kind of things, for what kind of hours, and what kind of pay, on what kind of team, in what kind of organization, where in the world? And typically, all I get is an open mouth stare. Because again, nobody's ever asked you that. That's because, again, nobody really cares. But as soon as you have a bead on your ideal practice, it's like a target in an archery range. You can start planning little movements in that direction. But it all comes when you begin with the end in mind. So I actually keep this on my desk, this little triad card, so I can show it to people. If you're listening, you might want to write them down, vision, strategy, tactics. And if you're ever confused about what to do, up-level your thought process to what's ideal. What's the ideal outcome I'm looking for? So Mark, what else, if you were to give us just one little kernel, what else was different about New Zealand that you have done your best to incorporate in the way you are a doctor these days back in the States? Yeah, so the, the best way that I describe New Zealand to folks is, you know, there aren't really four lane roads in New Zealand. Uh, there, there are a few three lane roads. We lived off the main road that traversed the North Island. It was a three lane road. And if you drove along there going down to the National Park, if two cars were passing, and there was a third car that wanted to pass, and maybe there wasn't the third lane there. Um, and so they're starting to pass, and you're looking at them coming at you and going, well, I'm not sure they're going to make it. The two people would actually just sort of separate out to the shoulders and give that person room to pass. Um, if you went to a store, and you're standing in line, and the cashier is talking to somebody in the line, and they're carrying on about their grandkids and whatever, in the States, people would start tapping their feet, rolling their eyes. In New Zealand, you just stood there and waited because that was an okay thing to do. Um, and so I tried to bring back some of that uh, better balance of me versus we that I experienced over there and tried to bring that back to how I encountered my colleagues, how I encountered my patients, how I encountered the C-suite folks, um, and to think a little bit less about me, a little bit more about the we aspects. Again, vision, trying to coalesce those things together in terms of moving forward, whatever, whatever the issue was. Right. And you and I have had the benefit, too, of typically being in um, organizations that were small. And I think the me versus we balance is easier to find the smaller the organization is. Great. Yeah, I, I, most certainly. Most certainly. 
Excellent. Well, and, and also, and let me just throw in one thing, like because you talk about this, which is the, what is the notion of consensus? And it's not only consensus in your own head about your ideal, but consensus with somebody else that you're working with, you know, being not your way or my way or some other way, but being something that you can live with and support. And so as you think about your vision, um, it, you know, and your ideal, what can you live with and support? As you start to share that in terms of larger decision-making, what can we live with and support? And I think that's a really important adjunct to executing on this vision strategy tactic um, structure. Right, and, and the, the prompt is um, raise your hand if you can live with and support this, um, which does not mean you think it's the best or only solution. And uh, that's a way that I very strongly recommend that people make decisions in meetings as opposed to Robert's rules of order. And we can talk about that in a future podcast because it deserves a little bit of attention. Right on. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being on the broadcast today. And uh, if you want to know more about Mark, if you potentially want to interview Mark, so to speak, uh, to potentially be your coach, come see us at thehappymd.com. Punch the coaches tab. You'll see Mark's bio and have a chance to book what we call a discovery session. That's the first one hour on the phone with any one of our coaches, actually, that's free, no cost, no obligation, 100% confidential. You'll get a strategic plan at the end of that interview, and then you can decide whether or not you want to hire Mark as your coach. And uh, Mark's been a member of the um, coaches group here at the website now for, what, three or four years now, for a nice long time. Four or five, yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Um, and thanks again, Mark, for being here. And uh, again, Mark's, Mark and I use this tool a lot, Vision Strategy Tactics. Thanks, Mike. Much appreciated being here.